From the Tulsa World, this is the OU Sports Extra Podcast, sponsored by Albert G's Barbecue. Here are your hosts, Eric Bailey and Mason Young. Well, nothing but a slow news week for the Sooners. Hey, it's Eric and Mason here talking everything Oklahoma football. I don't know where to start. This has been just a crazy storyline week. It seems like, you know, during the offseason, I was talking to a friend. I said, usually when the season's over, you get to catch your breath. We haven't caught our breath since. Every Monday, and I said this last week, every Monday something happens. It was Jeff Levy one Monday. It was Dylan Gabriel the next Monday. And this week, Danny Stutzman announces he's coming back. And then we learn on a little bit later on Tuesday that Caden Green is leaving, which was a shocking development. We learned about Billy Bowman, Jackson Arnold gets the start. There's so much going on, Mason. And in, and on, on top of everything, we got signing day beginning in less than a week. So how do we compartmentalize everything going on? Uh, really haven't. Just just keep just keep powering through, right? You know, we we've had a we've had a lot of really good uh, content for our for our readers at TulsaWorld.com the past couple days and and that's going to continue throughout the week I mean it just is what it is you expect kind of the gap between the end of the regular season and the bowl to be a quiet time like you said but that's not how things are playing out and so uh, we're just gonna you know keep keeping people updated with what's going on uh, with OU obviously the the first and foremost thing uh, being Danny Stutzman's return this week and you talked to his dad earlier this week kind of about everything that went out uh, into that what what did he what did he have to say about that well that was crazy because when it happened it came out at noon on monday and a couple hours earlier there was an instagram story by danny with his empty locker with a, 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 a an emoji with a tear and when we saw that me oh i guess when i saw that i automatically thought he cleaned out his locker he was leaving he was gone that was it but Danny's dad told me later on that what happened was the equipment, the equipment team, Danny hadn't been at the last couple of meetings and they just assumed he was leaving. So the equipment team just was proactive and cleaned out the locker. So Danny walks in and everything's gone and he's, you know, it, it was a shock. So he, he posted that on Instagram and then I guess realized, didn't realize how viral that would go so fast. Of course, everything with Danny's going fast at this time. So there was talk about, well, do I take the story down? And then he thought, no, that would lead to more confusion. His dad actually wanted him to take it down. And Danny basically said, no, let's keep it up. I'm having the official announcement at noon. I don't want to cause any more distraction. Let's just do this at noon. So that for a couple of hours, Oklahoma fans thought, and include me including as, as a media member, I thought he was gone. Turns around, he comes back. But no, I had a chance to meet Steve Stutzman back in October when I went to visit my daughter uh, in Orlando. And uh, I sat with him for an hour and we talked and we talked about Danny's future there. And, uh, you know, they hadn't made a decision. And then he didn't even really show his hand of which way they were leaning. But me, that conversation I had back in October with Steve Stutzman, I just had a feel that, you know, the pro football was it was on the horizon. Uh, mainly because the same thing that um, running backs go through, you know, you're just limited with how many years you can play in the NFL and, you know, you're sacrificing your body. Another Would another year of college football hurt your your future uh, earning potential in the NFL? I just got that feel from that meeting, but he never said, Dan, Steve Stessman never said, you know, it's going to happen. 
So when all this was going on, it was just interesting how Danny said one day he thought he was going, one day he didn't. Our friends over at Sooner Scoop did report that he told the the coaches that he was going to go to the NFL, and that did happen. Uh, but like any 20-year-old, you got to remember Danny Stutzman's young. We think he's old because of what he's done. He's still a young kid. Um, he changed his mind, and he wants to be with his friends. And I think that's huge moving forward for Oklahoma football, their first year in the SEC. Um, and then also <laughs> – I just love the video. The video itself with Brian Bosworth with a mohawk. You have the Corvette. You have uh, the fur coat that Barry, that uh, Barry Switzer loaned them for that video. I thought that was iconic. Just the video itself. We'll be talking about that for years. And that video was put together weeks ago. It was shot weeks ago by OU's production staff, uh, Erica Slife, uh, really outstanding uh, director over there, digital content. Uh, her her group, her team did so, so well at putting this together. They were so good at it. Um, but I just thought the video itself was really interesting. It was supposed to coincide with the Butkus Awards semifinalist list, kind of be like a little, little politics uh, but they never got to use it because he didn't make the semifinals list. I think we were all shocked with that. So when they had that video in their back pocket, they uh, they saved it. And then the only edit they really had to make to that video was the very end when uh, Danny Stessman basically, there was a little note, uh, I think, what did it say, see you in the SEC or something about the SEC moving forward. That was the only edit they had to make to that video. So, so much going on, so many moving parts with everything that happened on Monday with the video and everything like that. But all in all, it's big for Oklahoma and the defense moving forward to the SEC. It was funny to hear Danny talking after practice the other day because he, there was a photo shoot that went with that video as well. And he literally told us, he was like, yeah, uh, we also got some really cool photos off that that are going to come out right after this. Like, it's like he, he's, he is becoming, he's quickly becoming a PR master. He knows, he knows when his content is coming out. They obviously talked a little bit more about it, I think, on the podcast on the Prairie the other night with uh, Jaron Kanick and Jeremiah Hall. Uh, but just just really good, as you said, for Oklahoma, just a huge, a huge, huge deal. He talked about wanting to play in the SEC and be in the best league in college football, being part of the allure. Uh, and he also said that that Billy Bowman, his decision to come back, influenced influenced him uh that when he saw billy announce that he was coming back he reached out and said okay now you got me thinking and ultimately that second phone call with brent venables was huge i mean if brent venables doesn't reach back out to danny stutzman and and say hey i want to talk this over again you know things might wind up a little bit differently so obviously their relationship is a big piece in this as well and uh, now the Sooners are going to have you know one of the best linebackers in the country arguably snubbed for the buck his finalist list uh, leading their their defense into the SEC. You mentioned Billy Bowman too. I think that's huge, and I just think as a media member, really, you begin to take Billy Bowman for granted just because he does so much every Saturday. He's he's such a, a consistent player. Uh, you expect him to make plays. You expect him to be in the right spot. You expect him to, to do things on defense. Uh, but I, I worry that you take him for granted because he's so good at what he does. And I think him returning for another season was huge for the Sooners. I think that secondary, it really solidifies it, uh, brings that leadership. I mean, here he is. How many times are we going to see four-year seniors? Danny Stetson is going to be a fourth-year senior. Uh, 
in this age of tra- the transfer portal, we're not seeing it. You know, we look at Billy Bowman. He's a four-year center senior. And then guys like Ethan Downs and Jalil Farouk, I think they're the only four from that class that's still on campus. And you look at those four, uh, what they bring, their leadership qualities, as well as their abilities on the field. I think that's big. But Billy Bowman, I think he is a special, special player. He, you know, I think he wants to win the Thorpe Award. I think he, he was a great candidate. I was surprised he wasn't a finalist this year. Six interceptions, three pick sixes. I mean, how often does, you know, just for a college player to have one pick six, that's a career. Dan, uh, uh, Billy had three in one season. So that that's pretty incredible. So I think the secondary is in good shape with Billy Bowman. I was really impressed by just his explanation of why he's coming back. It, it just seemed seemed really mature. He talked about, feeling like that the NFL would still be there in a year and that he had a lot of other things he still wanted to accomplish at OU in terms of getting his degree and, and playing in the SEC and whatnot. Uh, but he feels he felt like the, the NFL was still going to be there. Uh, he said he talked about not being in a rush. Just so many guys are, are out to, you know, be quick to make a move to make a big buck and this is a guy that, you know, probably could have done pretty well. Some mock drafts had him going like in the second round. He could have, you know, probably done really pretty well for himself, but uh, he's just not in a hurry. He, I asked him, you know, have you always been that patient? And and he just, it sounds like he really just has this, this awareness of things that he, even though obviously, as you mentioned, you know, had a really good season and is a really good player, uh, feels like he has things to work on. And so, all those things, just patience and, and feeling like he there's still strides he can make as a college player before going to the NFL led to his return. And, and OU is going to be much better for it, having him roaming the secondary and, and leading what's going to be a pretty young group around him next year. Well, for all the good news this week, there was some shocking news also with Caden Green, the offensive guard announcing he was going to the transfer portal on Thursday, or Tuesday, excuse me. And it happened during practice. So many of the players during our availability following Tuesday's practice were shocked. I think a lot of times we were the first mention that Caden Green was planning on entering the transfer portal. Uh, this is just huge for Oklahoma in terms of he was expected to be really the nucleus of that offensive line next year. He's had a great season as a true freshman, uh, made some true fresh, some freshman All-American teams, and his, his ceiling is so, so high. Uh, we still haven't heard why this has happened. A lot of speculation from everything from, you know, he's chasing money to his family's involved to um, he wants to play tackle instead of guard. We're hearing all kinds of thoughts of why this has happened. The one thing we haven't heard is any definitive answer from Caden Green or his family to why this has happened. Uh, and, and it's really, it was a shocking development. Uh, I, I've read reports as of this taping that he's still not in the portal yet. Uh, I still, but I think, you know, that can change in a moment's notice. Uh, there is a waiting period too for the, the portal, but uh, the announcement caught everyone off guard, and it really forces Oklahoma to grow up fast. This is not the offensive line you wanted your first year going into the SEC, especially with the first-year quarterback uh, losing a, 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 a big key like this. Well, and perhaps there is still on the table the opportunity for Oklahoma to convince him to stay. I'm not sure what that would look like, but 
to your point, more likely than not, they're going to be without him. And yeah, the things just look really, really, really strange right now in terms of that offensive line. Obviously, for the bowl game, they're still going to have some experience. It's huge that the guys that are out of eligibility and Walter Rouse and McCabe Toyer are are still playing. You know, they're going to need that. But looking ahead next year, right now, you've got two offensive linemen that have solidified themselves. You got Jacob Sexton, who, you know, came in and won a starting tackle job at the end of the season, whether that's right or left next year. And you got Spencer Brown probably is is going to the Michigan State transfer is going to be the other tackle. But, you know, with with Matoyer being gone, with Green being gone, with Andrew Rehm declaring for the draft and, and Tyler Guyton as well. Uh, but mainly was thinking about those three middle guys right now. You have no idea who your guards and your center are going to be next year, more likely than not. And in terms of what what you're looking at for the bowl game as well at those positions, you know, yesterday or Tuesday, watching watching practice, Josh Bates, the true freshman, that uh, well, I guess he'll probably be a redshirt freshman uh, after this year, has not played much at all. Was taking all the center reps. You thought maybe that was going to be Troy Everett's spot to get, but he was off to the side with braces on both of his knees, and you know, not sure what his status is potentially going to be for the bowl game. So there's a lot there's a lot that's flu- in flux in the immediate and long term with this offensive line. Bill Biedenboe's got a lot of work to do. You know, you uh, there's still, you know, Eddie Pierre-Lewis is a recruit that's out there that OU's in on that could potentially be helpful to this offensive line. You kind of wonder if maybe they'll go after – at first it looked like Brown was probably going to be the only portal guy, but now they might go after another portal guy. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a lot to uh, catch up on for uh, Bill Biedenboe, the recruiter. You know, once he gets the bodies in, he's a great developer, uh, but – right now he's just got to go and and get guys that can play because you're really, you're really not sure what you have. There's, there's some guys internally that there's been buzz about time. And again, Jake Taylor, Heath Ozeda, some of these younger guys that haven't played a lot yet, you know, will they be able to step up to the challenge of being ready for potentially even this bowl game, but for sure next season, or or is OU going to have to look elsewhere to, to fill those gaps with, all these departures that are occurring. When we talk also about uh, portal, we talk about the, the you know the players leaving. I think twelve or thirteen are leaving right now. But there also was some really good news for Oklahoma in terms of entries through the portal. And you've written about every one of them uh, this past week. There's been three of them. Uh, can you kind of break down the three players coming into uh, into the into the onto the roster for next year and the experience that they bring? Yeah, I mean, we we talked we touched on Spencer Brown, them getting him last week, but uh, Dejon Malone, the the San Diego State quarterback uh, transfer, uh, is coming in for OU, and that's a huge depth piece. Um, obviously, because you don't know what uh, Woody Washington might decide to do. You know, their top their top A one corner, whether he's going to play another year or he's going to look at professional opportunities. Obviously, Gentry Williams was banged up a lot this year. Very good when he did play, uh, but having that number that number two starter position was was in flux a lot for OU this year. And you know the the freshmen that played at that second corner spot had a lot of ups and downs. Whether it was Josiah Wagner or Makari Vickers or Jacoby Johnson, 
there there were there were there were some moments where you saw some flashes, but there were also some really really tough moments where they gave up some big plays. And, and so, anytime you can go at, at a guy like Malone, that's a veteran presence in a, in a young position group like that, to me, you know, that's a that's a luxury. I mean, regardless of what Woody Washington does, this guy could either be a starter or he could be, you know, your your first guy off the bench at corner, and, and is someone that can help, you know, grow that young group. So, OU's got to be excited about landing him. Uh, I think the guy they're probably they're probably most excited about out of the portal. It's tough to say, but it, it, it's probably Dion Burks, the the wide receiver transfer from from Purdue, was was said to be one of the the best wide receivers uh, available in the transfer portal this year, and and had NFL interest, had a lot of NFL interest actually, and just felt like that he needed another year of of college development and. Here he comes, you know, Emmett Jones is somebody that's probably going to be able to to help him out a lot in terms of getting ready for the NFL. And there's going to be a mutual benefit for, for Oklahoma, obviously, with Drake Stoops leaving and, and uh, you know, they they can stack that room even deeper with Burks. Now you're looking at a really solid, you know, five deep a wide receiver with Jalil Farouk, who said he's leaning on coming back next year with with Burks and, and Nick Anderson and, and Jaden Gibson and then also Andrew Anthony coming back from injury. You know, don't forget about him. So that wide receiver room right now looks like one of the deepest position groups that they have. And, and uh, for them to get a guy like Burks is huge. The third guy that they've added this week, uh, Samuel Franklin, former running back or running back from UT Martin. Uh, this guy was a really good FCS player. Was actually a finalist for the the Walter Camp Award this year, which is, uh, or maybe it's, no, it's the Walter Payton Award. Uh, but given to the given to the best offensive player in FCS, and he was a finalist for that. Uh, rushed for over a thousand yards and double digit touchdowns this year. And uh, having that depth at running back is just always going to be important. Obviously. Tommy Walker, Marcus Major, and Dalen Smothers are all in the portal, so they needed to add bodies. And and with Franklin in, that, that group shapes up a lot better uh, for next year. Obviously, Gavin Sawchuk is the guy right now. He's had a phenomenal finish to the season and would fully expect him to be the lead guy going into next season. But, you, you know, Franklin is probably going to get some run, and this is going to push other guys. I'm not sure what this what this will do, but uh, you know, Javante Barnes and Caleb Hicks are in that room right now. Does that challenge them at all, you know, to up their game and to create a role for themselves? Or do they look elsewhere, you know, potentially even still during this transfer window or potentially after the bowl game? You've also got two really good freshmen coming in and Taylor Tatum, number one running back recruit in the nation and, and Xavier Robinson, who who was a star locally at, at Carl Albert High School. So, that room with Franklin as, as kind of a veteran leader, being the most experienced guy in the room and, and also, you know, probably providing some utility as that that number two guy behind uh, Sawchuck. Uh, that looks really good on, on paper. Uh, love to see it plays out. But so far, so good in the transfer portal for Oklahoma. And don't think they're they're done, definitely. I mean, Brent Venables talked about uh, uh, the uh, last week when we talked to him about uh, feeling like in terms of how their spots lined up with early enrollees and, and freshmen and whatnot, that uh, the numbers kind of say, okay, they might add like eight or nine transfers. So 
So they, there's probably still a handful of guys at the portal uh, that, that they're after that, that could end up on campus. You know, you mentioned during that, you mentioned Taylor Tatum, uh, you know, so just an interesting side note real quick. Uh, we saw Tolly Walker at practice uh, doing some bowl practice or some bowl prep. I think that's big for him. Uh, you know, he was injured. He was playing hurt late last season or during the regular season. I think this would give him an opportunity to go out there and kind of show what he can do, uh, get some game tape. And, you know, you never know. He may, he, I, I don't know if he'll stay at Oklahoma or not, but if anything, He's, he's, he's really showing some loyalty by staying within the program, getting these extra practices in, probably get some really good game tape again uh, for any future school that's interested in him. Uh, he had a great year for the Sooners when he, there were times when he was the guy at running back. So we just wish the best with him, for him for whatever, whatever is in his future. When we went to practice on Tuesday, I stuck around with one player. We had a handful of players, we had storylines all over the place, but I stuck with one player and that was Jackson Arnold who will be QB1, who will be the starting quarterback in the bowl game. I mean, how often do you see a, a, a freshman making, a true freshman making his first start in a bowl game? That's what we're going to see. And Jackson met with the media for about 12 minutes, uh, longer than any other player, I believe, on, on Tuesday. And uh, I was impressed with this. He's showing some maturity. He's growing. Everything's new to him. Uh, he mentioned being being at practice and the, the first practice not having the same energy as years past. But, you know, that's because it's a different team, different roster. There's a lot of players missing, uh, led by Dylan Gabriel. And uh, I think Jackson is embracing the role that this is his offense, that this is his team. Uh, I was really impressed, you know, as he talked about going out there and saying, you know, he, he believes there'll be some nerves when he first, you know, those first couple snaps and in, in the Alamo Bowl, but he, then he thinks he'll things will settle down, he'll be okay, uh, and, and we saw that a little bit during his college career in the brief moments that we've seen him on the field. He he is dynamic. He can make the throws. He can make the plays. He just needs game reps, and uh, I think that that's what these these practices leading up to the bowl are going to be big for him. Now they're not able to to uh, install Seth Luttrell's offense, what he wants to do offensively, they're going to stick and stay with what they've done all year, which makes sense with, uh, you know, running Jeff Levy's offense, running his verbiage, running his play calls. You're going to see Jeff Levy's offense in the bowl game. But as soon as that bowl game's over, it's it's time to really dig down and, and do what Seth Luttrell likes to do. And uh, Jackson really seems like he has a really good rapport with Seth. He talked about uh, when Seth was an analyst, how they talked a little bit in the in the in the building, and I think that that's big. You got to have that relationship between an offensive coordinator and a coach. And uh, Jackson also mentioned they learned this offense together when they were coaching when they when they arrived last spring. Uh, Seth Luttrell, of course, would just let go as head coach at North Texas, uh, became an analyst, and they learned the offense. They learned everything together, step by step. So moving forward, that they, they were able to build that chemistry. Uh, that player coach chemistry and learning the offense. Now, Latrell is going to be an instructor and teach Arnold the offense. But I, I'm really anxious to see what kind of uh, what kind of uh, what kind of uh, quarterback he's going to be in this bowl game. I really am. I think we see the raw potential. But now this is his team, and he admitted the funny thing that made during our session he made me laugh is when he said being a backup. It sucks to be a backup. You know, he, he said it sucks because you're not the guy. Well, now he's the guy, and I think he's going to embrace that role. Yeah, this ought to be a really good challenge for him in this bowl game. I mean, obviously, we we liked what we saw against Arkansas State and Tulsa, but Arizona's a really good team, you know, a 9-3 and three team that uh, has a linebacker, Jacob Manu, that led the 
led the Pac-12 in tackles this year, had like 108 some odd tackles. And this was after being, you know, just absolute, an absolutely bottom feeder defense last year. This was a top 30 or 35 defense this year in terms of yards per game allowed. So Arizona has made great strides as a program. And uh, this is going to be, you know, Jackson Arnold's biggest test to date. And we talked about uh, the challenges on the offensive line. Obviously, he still is going to have a really good cachet of of skilled players to work with. But how that offensive line holds up, uh, you know, with probably a, a, a new starter at, at center and a new starter at one of the guard spots is going to be I think a pivotal point in, in what Jackson Arnold is able to do against Arizona. But obviously, as you said, you know, he's, he's ready to go. He's, he's ready to embrace the challenge and, and to show everybody uh, what he can do. And all eyes will be on him come December 28th in San Antonio. Well, we got a peek Mason at the football schedule. We finally know where Oklahoma is going to play and what days they're going to play. Uh, even Maine, we found a kickoff kick day for Maine. They're going to play Maine in November, November the 2nd against the Maine Black Bears. So get your tickets now. But we had an opportunity to learn the full schedule. Uh, I had an opportunity to book us hotel rooms in these little towns. And I am happy to say I was able to get a room. I haven't told you breaking news to Mason. I was able to get a, a room in Oxford, Mississippi, in Oxford for a good rate and was able to get a room in Baton Rouge for a good rate. So I'm more anxious than anything to, to, to visit these SEC, these SEC towns, as I'm sure a lot of Oklahoma fans are too. So the, the schedule is out. Temple, Houston, Tulane, Tennessee, first four games at home. The, they don't go onto the road till September 28th when they go to Auburn. Uh, and then they get an open date right before Texas, which I think is so important. You get that open date kind of, it's been a while since Oklahoma's had an open date before Texas. So I think that that's big in terms of uh, kind of getting healthy again, fixing some things that may you may want to fix, uh, improving some other things that are doing well, that October 5th open date. Then they play Texas they at Dallas, and then they go to South Carolina. Or no, no, excuse me, South Carolina comes to Norman, Shane Beamer. They go to Ole Miss on the 26th. I'm looking forward to seeing the Grove. And Lane Kiffin, of course, that's going to that's gonna be interesting to see Lane Kiffin's offense against Oklahoma's defense. Uh, the, the game against Maine and Norman, as we mentioned a second ago. And then uh, they go to Mizzou, which really is going to be an interesting game because of where Missouri's at now. Uh, Missouri's really, you know, top 10 team, New Year's Six Bowl this year. Uh, that'll be a, a tough game uh, going to Columbia. Oklahoma has won 20 of the last 22 between the schools, which is interesting as well. The old Big 12 foe. And then Oklahoma gets another open date, two open dates for all the SEC schools, which I think is really big for Oklahoma. It's the way the calendar falls, too. It's really good for Oklahoma to have that second open date before finishing up Alabama at home and then at LSU to wrap up the year, which I assume would be awesome if it's a night game because that place would probably get nuts uh, down in Death Valley. But, you know, Alabama coming here on the 23rd, they have Auburn the next week. So it, it's a tough two-game finish for the, the Crimson Tide as well. Um, but Oklahoma, I think the big thing when we look at this schedule, they have the open date before Texas. They have the open date again before Alabama, which arguably will be the two toughest games on their schedule next year. So I think having open dates before those games is going to be huge. Yeah, that that, that last the last two weeks of Alabama LSU is going to be a gauntlet. I mean, that is that is one one real challenge, but it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I mean, this is this is exactly. Like, this is everything you would hope out of 
oh, you go into the SECs to play these types of schedules in these different venues against all these incredible uh, storied teams. You know, there's just so much, the SEC is just so much more storied than the Big 12. There's just so many, you know, blue blood programs with, with years of success and for Oklahoma to get to play more regularly against some of the teams that have been like really fun bowl matchups for them in the past, like Alabama and LSU and Auburn. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, uh, again, SEC, that's going to be huge. I can't, I can't wait to see that. And then, you know, to prepare for the SEC, you have to have good recruiting classes. And we are just a week out from signing day, which is pretty incredible. When you think about how fast it's going, you know, covering Oklahoma football, there's, there's no, no, no time to get a, get a break because you talk about all the news that's happened the last three weeks and Hey, the fourth week, dominated by signing day Oklahoma trying to finish up strong uh we'll have a lot of coverage uh you know both leading up to signing day as well as the coverage of next Wednesday when all the recruits come in I'm sure Brent Venables will have as always a press conference that afternoon I think that'll be big uh some of the things we're looking forward to you writing is a couple stories you went down to Texas a couple weeks ago and got some really really good content from some of the recruits that are signing with Oklahoma. Can you talk a little bit about what you got coming up in, in terms of signing day? Yeah, we'll have a story out later today on, on TulsaWorld.com and OESportsExtra.com about Nigel Smith, the defensive lineman from Melissa, Texas. He is actually having his signing ceremony today. Uh, in fact, is set to go to happen in probably about an hour and a half. And uh, that's because he's he's going to be participating in the in the army all-american bowl very soon but uh we'll get to uh hear a little bit of uh, just about his journey it's a kid that uh grew up uh his dad was a basketball coach and played basketball at smu and nigel smith really thought that he, he was gonna be a, a basketball player and uh obviously you know once he gave football a try became very good at it and and now is gonna be part of a, a absolutely loaded defensive line class for OU with the likes of David Stone and Jaden Jackson and Danny Okoye uh, coming in alongside him. So we'll have that. And then uh, looking ahead to next week on Sunday, you know, we'll have a, we'll have a story from, from conversations with Michael Hawkins, the quarterback recruit in this class, the top ranked quarterback recruit for OU. And uh, then also next week, looking ahead, a uh, story with Jaden Hardy the four-star safety from Louisville, Texas, who's signing with OU about uh, his his journey, his football journey, and what he's looking forward to at, at OU. So uh, got got some got some good recruiting stories coming to TulsaWorld.com pretty soon. Obviously already had a, a few with going down to, uh, to Texas the week that Jeff Levy left and talking to Michael Hawkins and Taylor Tatum about, you know, how that – did or didn't, which didn't uh, affect their commitments, and and more more uh, more on the way from from interviews with all the recruits that had to had the chance to talk to uh, during the Texas trip. You know, there's one story that really really hit. It's just interesting. We talk about all these things going on the field, off the field, but you wrote a story that's in today's Tulsa World. Braden Walker, a former Oklahoma player. Um, stepped away from football and you you dove deep into what he's doing now and how tough it was to leave Oklahoma, what his journey was like. And it's always good to hear these feel-good stories, these success stories. And 
uh, if you don't mind, uh, just talk a little bit about Braden and the story you wrote and kind of give readers or listeners a chance to know what they can read in the Tulsa world. Yeah, if you haven't had a chance to check that out yet, would definitely encourage you to. I sat down with Brendan for uh, about an hour uh, last week and, and, you know, he's not someone that, that played a ton at Oklahoma, was not someone that spoke to the media a ton during his, his two years as an outside linebacker for OU, but uh, was just very genuine in, in, in sharing his time with me and really sharing his story. Uh, you know, this is a guy that uh, a three-star recruit from Bishop McGinnis, a local kid that uh, changed his commitment from Oklahoma State to OU right before his senior year because he believed, you know, so much in what he could accomplish at OU. And then uh, throughout his freshman and sophomore year, uh, continued to get injured, kept fracturing bones in his back and that that would, you know, limit him for long periods of time. And finally, before his junior season, uh, you know, felt like it was in his best interest from a health standpoint to medically retire. And from there, it was difficult to separate from football. He he first was an assistant coach for OU. Then he worked in the sports science department and just really couldn't find satisfaction in either job. But uh, that's freeing, uh, separating from football has freed him up to pursue uh, the other passion that has kind of been simmering for him uh, for a while, which is, uh, you know, being in the medical field and uh, started out thinking that he wanted to be a neurosurgeon and now has has decided that he wants to be an orthopedic surgeon and potentially help other athletes, uh, you know, like himself in the future. And he's also the president of a club at OU called Minority Men in Medicine that, uh, you know, is trying to raise up, and increase opportunities for uh, people of color to to get into the medical field to 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 pass their medical college admission test and and to get jobs in medicine as doctors and and nurses and whatnot and so just a really cool story of someone that uh, has you know come to grips with the end of their football career and realize there's bigger things in life and is is wholeheartedly uh, pursuing. Uh, you know, becoming a doctor and, and trying to help other people. So uh, if you haven't had a chance to check that out on TulsaWorld.com, please, you know, do that. And, and hopefully you're inspired by uh, Brendan's story that, you know, not football isn't everything. And, and there's opportunities to still make a difference in this world, even even when your playing days are over. Lastly, uh, and first, uh, well, firstly, I owe a uh, apology for to Brendan because I called him Braden. I had Braden written down on my paper, and I have a friend named Braden. So Brendan, I'm sorry, Brendan Walker. I think I said Braden. <laughs> Let's wrap this up uh, with uh, basketball talk. The women's basketball program coming off a loss to UNLV, uh, ten days off I think for the the women. They don't play until next week, so um, it'll be important for them to kind of revamp. We're in finals week, so a lot of the things are you know taking place this week. So for the women, it's a chance to kind of reset. Uh, six and three and and just try to get things ready for the big 12 but the the Oklahoma men I had a chance to go to the uh, Arkansas game and cover at the BOK Center and man what this is a fun Oklahoma basketball team man what impressed me the most is the way they can get to the basket and the way that everyone has established roles you know Sam, Sam Godwin leads the country in offensive rebounds for 40 minutes played uh, and uh, Eric Musselman had so many good things to say about uh, Sam Godwin talking about how important 
he is to this Oklahoma team. I thought it was interesting for, by Musselman, who, side note, is crazy. <laughs> but let's go back to what he, but he's a great coach. And he really, really was impressed with Sam Godwin and what, what he brings to this team. And I think that's the key for this Oklahoma team is everyone understands their roles. Everyone can uh, make plays. Everyone knows what they're doing. And for Porter Mosier, this is what the team that he wanted to develop. They're number 11 in the country this 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 week. Uh, has a chance to move in the top 10 if they take care of business this weekend with um, uh, who lost last night. Um, number 18. No, Creighton. Creighton, yeah, Creighton lost. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Kruger, uh, former Lon Kruger's son, leading UNLV too. So uh, I think that that's big with uh, Creighton losing. Oklahoma could move into the top 10 with a win this Saturday. And it's been forever since they've been a top 10 team. But good things are happening in Lloyd Noble Center right now for Porter Mosier. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's so much to like with this team. You know, our columnist Bill Haston, uh, kind of his angle from that Arkansas Arkansas game that you're both at was this is the best OU team since Buddy Heald, and I think that that's 100% true. You know, they've got a, a dynamic scorer and playmaker in JV and McCollum, and they've got a lot of other, uh, you know, good supporting cast members in the rotation. Uh, you know, Otega Owe is actually their leading scorer this year and has taken a huge step forward in, in his development and has become a really good player for OU. And, uh, you know, Milo Suzanne is, is, has really done well for OU as a facilitator and, and, and you, you can, the list goes on. I mean, what Porter Moser's done in the transfer portal and, and also with developing the guys that uh, are his guys that he recruited like Uzon and Owe, uh, things are definitely looking up in Norman compared to the past two years where, you know, they didn't make the NCAA tournament. It was kind of a struggle. Fully expect them to make the NCAA tournament this year. And, and they're a team that's, 100% capable of making some noise in the Big 12, finishing in the, the upper echelon of the Big 12 this year. And uh, a, a light matchup this week, uh, playing Green Bay late Saturday night in Norman. Uh, but after that, next week, they face North Carolina in Charlotte, and that's the top 10 team. North Carolina is number nine right now, and that's going to be another big test uh, for OU. Obviously, the week, the week prior of Arkansas and Providence is a huge test, but uh, this North Carolina game going to be a, in a, an even bigger uh, challenge for OU's. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how they come out. We'll get to talk to Porter Moser tomorrow about what they've been doing during this light week and, and getting ready for Green Bay and, and whatnot. But hopefully, hopefully, I would say hopefully, you know, if you're a listener or a reader for the Tulsa world, that, that you would – get ready to to read some basketball stuff because this team is good and, and worthy of your readership. And we're going to have some good stories uh, coming out, especially when football season is over. We're going to have some good stories coming out about this team. All right. Well, we went pretty lengthy this week. Uh, appreciate everyone that listened in. Uh, busy week this past week. It'll be a busier week this coming week. We appreciate all your uh, loyalty and listening to this podcast. You can continue to find our written coverage at TulsaWorld.com. A lot of stuff coming with signing day. And next time we talk, Mason, we'll be talking some uh, signing day recruits and with the future and getting ready for a bowl game. So everyone out there, thank you for listening. Everyone out there, have a good weekend as well.